0: You know, if you know that much, that Moses was a reluctant leader. He didn't think he had what it took. He didn't think he had the skills. He didn't think he had the eloquence. In fact, any possible excuse that you could throw up, Moses threw up again and again and again. I'm enjoying the way I said that. I'm going to enjoy that later on many times. (laughs) Moses didn't think he was eloquent enough, so God told him that's fine. He didn't have to be the public speaker that his brother could speak. And then Moses didn't think he plain old had the resources. And here's where we pick up the story. Moses arguing with God, complaining that the people will not listen to him, complaining that he does not have the resources to overcome the Pharaoh and his army. And here's what he says in the book of Exodus, chapter 4. The Lord said to Moses, What is that in your hand? Now this is the question I'm going to ask you many, many times today. What's in your hand? A staff, Moses replied. Now, what is a staff for? Imagine yourself living back then in the days of Birkenstocks and bathrobes. You're a wanderer in the ancient Near Eastern world and a staff is your chief utility. I mean, it's a walking stick. Now, a couple years ago, I was with some friends. We were in New Mexico. We decided that we were gonna go for an early morning walk. And one of them, because there was some climbing that we were gonna do, said well why don't we bring like walking sticks, and I made fun of them. I thought that's dumb, I don't need a walking stick, I'm not 900 years old, stupid, who needs a stick? Then we start walking, and I'm walking briskly because I'm proving that I'm tough, I don't need a stick. And unbeknownst to me, I happened to step over a very large snake. And by very large I mean approximately my height, around, but that part's made up. No, it was a really big snake. It was probably four, four and a half, just a huge I don't know what kind of snake it was. It was big. It was a big friggin' snake, okay? But I didn't see it. I didn't even know it was there until I heard people screaming behind me some very unchristian words. Some might even say they were inappropriate, some, some R-rated words. And then I turned around and saw the dragon Smaug slithering across the pathway into the woods. Well, that, that's actually why you carry the walking stick, is to keep away the giant snakes. You carry a long stick to keep away the big snake. So, Moses says, I'm holding a staff. And God says, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and this is my favorite part of the story, and Moses ran from it. Pansy. (laughs) Now, I think it's fascinating that the only thing Moses has got to hold on to is the thing that protects him from snakes. And then God asks him to get rid of his protection, and that protection immediately becomes the thing Moses is afraid of. And I wonder if it's possible sometimes that the things that we're hanging on to, the things that keep us from being afraid are actually also the things that keep us from being full of faith. Because you probably have things in your life that make you feel safe or secure. It could be something as simple as your iPhone or your credit card. And you think, man, as long as I got a full battery and reliable AT&T cell reception, which happens when I stand on this foot in the back corner, nothing bad can happen to me. As long as I got my American Express, so long as I'm at one of the eight restaurants in Jackson that will accept it, Nothing bad can happen. And we, we put our trust in all kinds of things. And we put our trust wholly in these things. And these things are often really small. These things are often really unreliable. And I think what God is saying is, first of all, look what's in your hand. What are you trusting? What are you thinking is going to protect you? What's going to save you? And then lay it down, man. Let it go. The story continues, however. Let's go to the next slide. The Lord said to Moses... Put out your hand and catch the snake by the tail. So Moses put out his hand and caught it, and the snake became a staff once more. Now, God gives Moses the second instruction, put out your hand. What's in Moses' hand when he reaches out his hand? Nothing. Nothing. He's afraid of the dangers that are around when you're hiking or walking. And so he trusts in the staff to keep him safe. Now he has no staff, and God says, go ahead and grab the thing you're afraid of, trusting that I'll protect you. And when Moses picks it back up, now now it's his instrument once more. See, this, I think, is the key point of this piece of the Bible. We ought to use the things we have without wholly relying on the things we have. And here's a a phrase I want you to repeat after me momentarily. we got to understand that our relationship with God is cooperative. God without us will not, and we without God cannot. Say that with me. God without us will not, and we without God cannot. See, God wants you to use what's in your hand, whatever it is. He wants you to use it. He just doesn't want you to trust wholeheartedly in it as though that thing is totally sufficient. Don't ever believe the lie that you got nothing to work with, and don't ever believe the opposite lie that whatever you got, it's fine. No, you need the Lord, and you need to do the things that God has equipped you to do. It's both. You got to do it, and God's going to help you when you do. Now, for you you've probably got something in your hand. Something to work with. And that's where we really want to drill down in today's teaching because we're, we're teaching about hope. Now, hope, we know, is comprised of desire and vision and agency. Now, I know when I travel around and I teach on hope, nobody really listens. It's really strange. Now, when they're hopeless, then they listen, but they don't like what I have to say. But when they're fine, they don't care. If, however, we talk about desire, now people's ears perks up because you want something. You might be afraid to admit it, but deep down, you know, you know you want more than what you have now. And I mean, you might even want more out of your relationship with God than what you have now. You might want more altruism. You, want, you might want more innocence. You might want more optimism than what you have now. I mean, wanting more is not bad. We spent tons of time talking about that. Wanting more of good things is good and pleasing to God. And if you're going to have hope, you better be honest about your desires and then refine your desires so they are increasingly righteous. And then you've got to be able to imagine a future in which you get the thing you want. Healthier marriage, great relationship with your kids, physical fitness, health and well-being, affluence, the opportunity to give, the opportunity to travel. You've got to imagine what life is like when you get what you want. That's desire and vision, and today we're talking about agency. That's a fancy little word that means you can actually do something to help. You can actually take steps to get from where you are now to where you want to be in the future with God's help and for God's glory. And let me tell you, there is no bigger thief of hope than a lack of agency. If you're in a marriage and you feel like it stinks, and no matter what you do, your husband is grouchy, and you're dragging him here on Father's Day, hoping the Holy Ghost will just rip all the sin right out of his heart, and the only thing you got is the faint belief that maybe some tattooed idiot will convict your husband, that doesn't give you a lot of hope. But if you believe that changing your behavior and changing the way you speak will produce a change in the people around you, because they'll be able to trust in your love and trust in your goodness. If you believe that you can do something, you're going to have incredible hope. If you've got no money and you don't know what to do, how to get more money, you're going to feel totally hopeless. But if you've got no money and you've got a job interview tomorrow and you've got a job interview the day after and you know you've got money coming, if you just walk yourself down to the Walmart and cash in all your bottles, well, now you've got some hope because you know there's things you can do. Shave, shower, show up on time. There's other S's in there, but you shouldn't think like that. (laughs) When you know there's stuff that you can do, you'll have hope. And when you do it, you can trust that God is going to energize and maximize your efforts. Because you got to do it. Because God, without us, will not. But you and I... Without God, we, we cannot. And this is the piece of agency, knowing what you can do to improve your life and radically change your circumstances. And it starts really with what you got in your hand. What you got in your hand. Now, in your copy of the uh, journal that we've given everybody, the little Hope booklet, it's available for download online on our West Winds Facebook page also on our West Winds website. You see this diagram here. This is a catalog of the things that you have to work with. Because you got a lot. Now, I drew this diagram earlier. It was the worst diagram I ever drawn in my entire life. I couldn't even fit it on the chalkboard. So, clearly, one of the things that I have to work with is not the ability to draw diagrams. <laughs> but what you got at the very center to work with is, is you. We call it here your soul, but really, what we mean is, is your wiring. Some people are wired one way. Some people are wired another. We're all wired a little differently. You might be wired as an early bird. You might be wired as a night owl. You might be an introvert. You might be an extrovert. You might have these spiritual gifts. You might have the others. You might have public gifts. You might have gifts of help and service. You might be a seven on the Enneagram. You might be a two. You might have this Myers-Briggs profile. You might belong to that disc profile. That's just the way you are. And the way you are is critical for how you're going to move forward in your life. Because you can't do the things that I can do and I can't do the things that you can do because we're wired very differently. I mean, setting aside any of our talents or learned attributes or skills, just the way we are requires we solve problems differently. Now, you all ever play video games? Okay, good, good. You all on the internet ever play video games? Are you playing right now? That's who I should ask. I can't believe in a room this big there were two people who said they play video games. Listen, video games are a thing, all right? If you don't know that, shame on you. It's Father's Day. If you don't have something for your dad, buy him an Xbox. He wants one, but your mom won't let him have it. (laughs) Yeah, amen. All right. That's the real reason you're not playing video games. I know. I earned this gray hair. All right. Oftentimes in adventure games or role-playing video games, you'll have different classes of character. You might have a a wizard or a mage. You might have a a thief, assassin, something like that. You might have a fighter, a a tank, a hero, whatever. These different classes of characters have different ways of solving problems. Or maybe think about it like this. Iron Man's going to solve problems one way. Spider-Man's going to solve them another. Iron Man's going to solve the problem by dating Spider-Man's aunt. Whoever you are and however you're wired is going to determine what you have to move forward and solve your problems. You remember the story about David when he was a shepherd boy, King David in the Bible? When he was just a teenager, there was a giant who was taunting the people of God. And David, through the unction of the Holy Spirit, decided that he was going to fight that giant. Now, he was just a kid, and the only thing he had to fight the giant was a slingshot. But a king heard that he was going to go fight the giant. And the king said to David, here, take all my armor and take my big sword, and you go out and kill the giant. Well, David, this little kid, he gets all this armor on, and it's too cumbersome. He can't move. He can't lift his legs. He can't proceed in battle. And he knows, because he's smart, that if he goes into battle wearing somebody else's armor, he's going to get killed. So he takes the armor off, trusting instead in the power of God, goes out with a slingshot, and kills the giant. This is important for you. If you try and solve problems like me, or like her, or like him, you're going to get killed. You've got to solve problems like you. If you try and wear somebody else's armor, if you try and pretend, if you try and posture, you're toast, man. You've got to do you. But you've got to trust the Holy Spirit to purify you and perfect you. Because you're going to need God's help. The second thing that you got to work with is your relationships. Mentors, protégés, peers, friends, family, acquaintances, employers. Man, whatever problems are facing you, you got to trust that the people around you are an important resource to solving it. You don't get along with your kids? You better thank God that you've got other friends who are having similar difficulties or who have outlived and solved similar difficulties, and you can get advice, advice from them. If you're a dad and you're struggling to connect with your son, you could probably call your own dad. And he could tell you a time about when you were a twerp and you overcame it. You need other people. And a lot of times people will come to me and they'll say, Dave, I just don't know what to do. And I'll say, who's the first person you ask? And they'll say, you. I go, well, that's great. I'm happy to help. What about your wife, husband, what about your brother, next door neighbor, your best friend? What does anybody else say? If they love you and they love God, you better let them speak into your life. Then you better be prepared for the fact that they could say something you're not ready to hear. Like, dude, you're the source of all your problems. It's you. You are the person screwing you over, and it's hard to watch. See, those relationships are an important part of what you've got to work with to help make your dreams a reality. Now, next out, we have your will. And really, what I mean by will is your, your it's your mind. It's your mental resources, your determination, your fortitude, your stick to A lot of times we run into problems, and at the first sign of opposition, we turtle, we cower, we run away. We think, Ah, oh, it's hard. It's too hard. Marriage is too hard. I'll just get a divorce. Oh, it's hard. It's too hard. I'll just quit this job and get another one. I mean, I'm 21. This job should have eternal meaning for me. You know, we, we need to be people who can stay in the fight right till the end. I mean, you're not going to win every single fight, every single time, but you better go the distance, bro. You better. I'll tell you, this is why I like lifting weights. I love going to the gym because you can't argue with the weights. Like, you put a bunch of weight on a squat bar, you get up underneath it. You can't ask it about its day. You can't ask how it's feeling. You can't reason with the weights. You put it on. You stand it up. And then it crushes you. And you can stay down here and cry. You can call for help. You can tell it about your education. Or you can stand up and be a grown-up. So I love that. Because a lot of times, I feel like quitting. There's things I don't really want to do. When people are rude to me, if people are dismissive of me, if I run into obstacles or problems, I don't want to put up with that. Why do I have to put up with that? I said, screw it. Screw you. That's what's going on in my heart because my heart is dark and sinful. But then I remember, no, you've been training, not just your body, you've been training your mind to not quit. You've been training your mind to fight right till the end again and again and again. And you've got people that are depending upon you. And yeah, it's hard. And yeah, you want to quit. And yeah, you want to pout. And yeah, you want to sin. But put on your big boy pants for crying out loud and get set. Because God requires more of you than just quitting because it's hard. And you got to learn that the chief resource of mature Christian spirituality is the gumption God gives you to keep going when it's hard. Next, you have your skills. Well, this is typically what we think of when we think of what we got to work with. So maybe you're a skilled musician. I had fun playing guitar this morning. Our guitar player had to take off after the first service unexpectedly, so I got to dust off playing guitar. That was a lot of fun. That was giggling. And gave me a little boost of energy, you know, but you might think, well, you might have musical skills. You know, we need musicians. You might have film or cinematic skills. You know, we, we need videographers. You might make a great cup of coffee, we we need that. Whatever the thing is that you can do, we need it, and you need to do it. But don't mistake the fact that your gifts, though different, are are not better or worse than anybody else's. That's why the Apostle Paul tells us we're all like a body. Some of you are like a hand, some of you are like a middle finger, but we all work together. (laughs) Every part of the body is valuable and crucial That's how we work together. That's what you have got to work with. And last but not least, your intellect. I don't just mean the stuff you know. I don't don't mean your your academic prowess. I mean things like your conscience, your perception, your imagination, your sensitivity. Now, we lampoon sensitivity sometimes. I'm not talking about being overly sensitive or being hypersensitive. Doesn't do anybody good to have to walk on eggshells around you, but but being sensitive is not mutually exclusive with being strong. You can be strong and tender. In fact, if you're a dad today, that's exactly how you're supposed to be. That's exactly how you're supposed to be. Sensitivity means that in a moment, you can identify what someone else is feeling, and what you might say to heal them or encourage them and lift them up. That's being sensitive. And you might be uncomfortable with words. You might think, "Wow, like Moses, I'm not really eloquent, you know? You might go, ha, 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 ha. You know what? You can look at your kid and say, man, good job. If you're sensitive, those words at the right time, build them up, make them strong. Let them know you love them. If you're insensitive, the wrong words at the right time can absolutely crucify somebody, causing lifelong damage. So we want strong, sensitive men. We want to be a church full of strength and empathy. So that we can lead one another and our family and our community into the plans and purposes of god now when you imagine yourself if you fill in all this stuff you figure out how you're wired introvert extrovert early late enneagram whatever you figure out what your wiring is like then you go through and you just list the people in your life who are going to help you your network You you go through and you identify your mental resources, your will, your focus, your determination. You identify what skills you have to work with, whether it's woodworking or music or anything in between. And then you identify whether or not you're perceptive, imaginative, creative, conceptualized. You figure out who you are, and all of a sudden the question, what do you have in your hand, is a pretty robust answer. You have dreams, you have plans, you have hopes. How are you going to get from here to there? Well, look at what you got in your hand. And don't totally rely on it because we, without God, cannot. But don't do nothing either because God, without us, will not. Our relationship with God is cooperative. He doesn't intend for us to be babies, but for us to be agents, active participants in His work to heal the world. Now, you might think all that and go, great. I'm not sure where to start. Well, a couple years ago, I had that exact same question. I figure out how I'm wired. I figure out who I am, but I just don't know what to do. And at the time, I had a, a pastor coach. He was the first coach I ever had. His name was Larry, and Larry did not like me. He thought I was dumb <laughs> and a bit slow, and he didn't have a ton of time for me, which, you know, you probably have people in your life that really like you, you know, and they think, oh, you're, you're so precious. You know, I was not precious to Larry. <laughs> if there was the, if, you know, you could have two things on the mantle, you know, coal and a turd, and he would have picked either one of those over me. So one day I asked Larry, I said, dude, I got all this stuff figured out. I I just don't know what to do. And he said, you solve your problems, you light your rockets. And then he hung up. (laughs) You solve your problems, you light your rockets. And my immediate reaction was, well, then what am I going to do tomorrow? Like once I solve all the problems that I know about now, and once I set off all my dreams and ambitions for the future, like what am I going to do for the rest of the week? but that was about 12 years ago, and I've been solving problems and lighting off rockets ever since. Because the truth is, when you solve a couple problems, you got a couple more, usually a little bit bigger, usually a bit more complicated, because you leveled up. They're not always your problems. Sometimes they're the problem of a friend. A friend asks for help, you help. Solving problems. And sometimes you got little dreams, little hopes, maybe a dream for a garden, maybe a dream for a vacation. Sometimes you got huge dreams. Maybe a dream for retirement. Maybe a dream for a PhD. But you keep solving your problems and lighting off your rockets. And bit by bit, you see yourself moving from where you are now into the promised and intended future God has placed within your heart. That's how you get hope. You want something. You see it. You take steps moving yourself from here to there. And the way you know what steps to take is you look and ask yourself, what's in your hand? What do you got to work with? And then work with it. Because God, without us, won't. And we, without God, we can't. So let's get after it, church. Lord, thank you for equipping us with insight, with wisdom, with gifts, perspective, relationships for making us big people. Please remind us how big you made us, how big you made us to become. Spur us on towards acts of greater love and charity, hope and faithfulness. Bind us together by your spirit and your truth and power so that with you we can heal the world. And all God's people said, Amen.